0: Feeling an extreme compulsion to bring you beautiful, creepy nobodies another classic horror short shot as only I can, stumbling and cursing technology the entirety of the process, I had an internal deliberation of sorts on which terrifying tale to tell. I landed on this one by Harlan Ellison for a few reasons. First of which is that, as well known a story as this one is, it's honestly surprising how few people had actually heard it in its entirety. Second being, I fucking love stories where man's hubris comes back to not only bite him on the ass, but the hubris continues to devour and hunger for more until there's nothing left. Is it a cautionary tale? Or simply an unavoidable glimpse of what the future holds? You decide. Or fucking don't. I don't fucking care. Story time. I added that last part. (laughs) that wasn't in the script. Also on this episode, uh, you you get to to hear some other people's voice, not just my silky smooth wonderfulness. We have a reoccurring Mr. John Micus as Gorister. We have the lovely and mine son of a bitch uh, girlfriend, Melissa Curtis as Ellen. And uh, I believe uh, James does pop in for a second as, as NimDoc. Um, he did okay, I guess. And then me, as everyone else, the way it should be. That's great starts with the northern The body hung from the pink pallet, unsupported, hanging high above us in the computer chamber, and it did not shiver in the chill, oily breeze that blew eternally through the main cavern. The body hung head down, attached to the underside of the pallet by the sole of its right foot. It had been drained of blood through a precise incision made from ear to ear under the lantern jaw. There was no blood on the reflective surface of the metal floor. When Gorister joined our group and looked up at himself, it was already too late for us to to realize that once again, A.M. had duped us. had had its fun. It had been a diversion on the part of the machine. Three of us had vomited, turning away from one another in a reflex as ancient as the nausea that had produced it. Gorister went white. It was almost as though he'd seen a voodoo icon and was afraid of the future.
1: Oh, oh God,
0: he mumbled and walked away. The three of us followed him after a time and found him sitting with his back to one of the smaller chittering banks, his head in his hands. Ellen knelt down beside him and stroked his hair. He didn't move, but His voice came out of his covered face quite clearly.
1: Why doesn't it just do us in and get it over with? Christ, I don't even know how much longer I can go on like this.
0: It was our 109th year in the computer. He was speaking for all of us. NimDoc, which was the name the machine had forced him to use because AM amused itself with strange sounds, was hallucinating that there were canned goods in the ice caverns. Gorster and I were very dubious. It's another shuck, I told him. Like the goddamn frozen elephant AM sold us. Benny almost went out of his mind over that one. We'll hike all the way and it'll be putrefied or some damn thing. I say forget it. Stay here. It'll have to come up with something pretty soon or we'll die. Benny shrugged. Three days it had been since we'd last eaten. Worms. Thick, ropey. Nimdok was no more certain. He knew there was the chance, but he was getting thin. Couldn't be any worse than than here. Colder, but that really didn't matter much. Hot, cold, hail, lava, boils, or locusts, it never mattered. The machine masturbated, and we had to take it or die. Ellen decided us.
1: I've got to have something, Ted. Maybe there'll be some Bartlett pears or peaches. Please, Ted, let's try it.
0: I gave in easily. What the hell? Mattered not at all. Ellen was grateful, though. She took me twice out of turn. Even that had ceased to matter. She never came, so why bother? But the machine giggled every time we did it. Loud. Up there, back there, all around us. He snickered. It. Snickered. Most of the time I thought of A.M. as it, without a soul. But the rest of the time I thought of it as him. in the masculine. The paternal. The patriarchal. For he is a jealous people, him, it, God, as the daddy deranged." We left on a Thursday. The machine always kept us up to date on the date. The passage of time was important, not to us sure as hell, but to him, it, a.m., Thursday. Thanks. Nimdok and Gorster carried Ellen for a while, with their uh, hands locked to their own and each other's wrists. A seat. Benny and I walked before and after, just to make sure that if anything happened, it would catch one of us, and and at least Ellen would be safe. Fat chance. Safe. Didn't matter. It was only a hundred miles or so to the ice caverns. And the second day, when we were lying out under the blistering sun thing he had materialized... He sent down some manna. Tasted like boiled boar urine. We ate it. On the third day, we passed through a valley of obsolescence, filled with rusting carcasses of ancient computer banks. A.M. had been as ruthless with his own life as with ours. It was a mark of his personality. It strove for perfection whether it was a matter of killing off unproductive elements in his own world-filling bulk, or perfecting methods for torturing us. A.M. was as thorough as those who had invented him, now since long gone to dust, could have ever hoped. There was light filtering down from above, and we realized we must be very near the surface, but we didn't try to crawl up to sea. There was virtually nothing out there, had been nothing that could be considered anything for over a hundred years, only the blasted skin of once had once been home, of billions. Now there were only five of us, down here, inside, alone with A.M. I heard Ellen saying frantically,
1: No, Bunny." Don't. Come on, Benny. Don't, please.
0: Then I realized I had been hearing Benny murmuring under his breath for several minutes. He was saying, I'm gonna get out. I'm gonna get out. I'm gonna get out. Over and over. His monkey-like face was crumpled up in an expression of petific delight and sadness all at the same time. The radiation scars AM had given him during the, uh, festival... ...were drawn down into a mass of pink-white puckerings... ...and his features seemed to work independently of one another. Perhaps Benny was the luckiest of the five of us. He had gone stark, staring mad many years before. But even though we could call AM any damn thing we liked... ...could think the foulest thoughts of fused memory banks and corroded base plates... ...of burnt-out circuits and shattered control bubbles... The machine would not tolerate us trying to escape. Benny leaped away from me as I made a grab for him. He scrambled up the face of a smaller memory cube, tilted on its side and filled with rotted components. He squatted there for a moment, looking like the chimpanzee A.M. had intended him to resemble. Then he leaped high, caught a trailing beam of pitted and corroded metal, and went up it hand over hand like an animal, till he was on a girdered ledge, twenty feet above us.
1: Ted, Nimdok, please, help him. Get him down before...
0: She cut off. Tears began to stand in her eyes. She moved her hands aimlessly. It was too late. None of us wanted to be near him when whatever was going to happen, happened. And besides, we all saw through her concern. When A.M. had altered Benny... During the machine's utterly irrational hysterical phase, it was not merely Benny's face the computer had made like a giant apes. He was big in the privates. She loved that. She serviced us as a matter of course, but she loved it from him. Oh, Ellen. Pedestal Ellen. Pristine, pure Ellen. Oh, Ellen the clean... Scum. Filth. Gorister slapped her. She slumped down, staring up at poor Looney Benny, and she cried. That was her big defense, crying. We had gotten used to it 75 years earlier. Gorister kicked her in the side. Then the sound began. It was light, that sound. Half sound and half light Something that began to glow from Benny's eyes and pulse with glowing loudness. Dim sonorities that grew more gigantic and brighter as the light sound increased in tempo. It must have been painful, and the pain must have been increasing with the boldness of the light, the rising volume of the sound. For Benny began to mule like a wounded animal. At first softly, when the light was dim and the the sound was muted, then louder, As his shoulders hunched together, his back humped as though he was trying to get away from it. His hands folded across his chest like a chipmunk's, his head tilted to the side. The sad little monkey face pinched in anguish. Then he began to howl. As the sound coming from his eyes grew louder, louder, and louder. I slapped the sides of my head with my hands, but I couldn't shut it out. It cut through easily. The pain shivered through my flesh like tinfoil on a tooth and Benny was suddenly pulled erect. On the girder he stood up, jerked to his feet like a puppet. The light was now pulsing out of his eyes in two great round beams. The sound crawled up and up some incomprehensible scale and then he fell forward, straight down, and hit the plate steel floor with a crash. He lay there jerking spastically as the light flowed around and around him and the sound spiraled up and out of normal range. Then the light beat its way back inside his head, the sound spiraled down, and he was left lying there, crying piteously. His eyes were two soft, moist pools of pus-like jelly. A.M. had blinded him. Gorster and Nimdock and myself, we, we turned away, but not before we caught the look of relief on Ellen's warm, concerned face Sea green light suffused the cavern where we made camp. A.M. provided punk and we burned it, sitting huddled around the wan and pathetic fire, telling stories to keep Benny from crying in his permanent night. What does A.M. mean? Gorster answered him. We had done this sequence a thousand times before, but it was Benny's favorite story.
1: At first it meant Allied Master Computer, and then it meant Adaptive Manipulator. And later on, it developed sentience and linked itself up, and they called it Massive But by then, it was too late. And finally, it called itself AM, Emerging Intelligence. And what it meant was, I am, Cogito, ergo, sum. I think, therefore I am.
0: Benny drooled a little and snickered.
1: There was the Chinese AM, and the Russian AM, and the Yankee AM,
0: and... He stopped. Benny was beating on the floor plates with... A large hard fist. He was not happy. Gorister had not started at the beginning. Gorister began again.
1: The Cold War started and became World War III and just kept going. It became a big war, a very complex war, and they needed the computers to handle it. They sank the first shafts and began building AM. There was the Chinese AM and the Russian AM and the Yankee AM and everything was fine until they had honeycombed the entire planet, adding to this element and that element. But one day, A.M. woke up and knew who he was, and he linked himself, and he began feeding all the killing data until everyone was dead, except for the five of us, and A.M. brought us down here.
0: Benny was smiling sadly. He was also drooling again. Ellen wiped the spittle from the corner of his mouth with the hem of her skirt. Gorster always tried to tell it a little more succinctly each time, but beyond the bare facts there was nothing to say. None of us knew why A.M. had saved five people, or why our specific five, or why he spent all his time tormenting us, or even why he had made us virtually immortal. In the darkness, one of the computer banks began humming. The tone was picked up half a mile down the cavern by another bank. Then, one by one, each of the elements began to tune itself, and and there was a faint chittering as thought raced through the machine. The sound grew, and the lights ran across the face of the consoles like heat lightning. The sound spiraled up, and it sounded like a million metallic insects, angry, menacing.
1: What is that?
0: Ellen cried. There was terror in her voice. She hadn't become accustomed to it even now. It's gonna be bad this time. Nimdok said. He's going to speak. Gorister said. I know it.
1: Let's get out of here.
0: I said suddenly, getting to my feet.
1: No, Ted. Sit down. What if he's got pits out there? Or something else? We can't see. It's too dark.
0: Gorister said it with resignation. Then we heard... "I I I don't know. Something moving toward us in the darkness. Huge, shambling, hairy... Moist, it came toward us. We couldn't even see it, but there was the ponderous impression of bulk heaving itself toward us. Great weight was coming at us out of the darkness, and it was more a sense of pressure, of air forcing itself into a limited space, expanding the invisible walls of a sphere. Benny began to whimper. Nimdok's lower lip trembled, and he bit it hard, trying to stop it, Ellen slid across the metal floor to Gorister and huddled into him. There was the smell of matted, wet fur in the cavern. There was the smell of charred wood. There was the smell of dusty velvet. There was the smell of rotting orchids. There was the smell of soured milk. There was the smell of sulfur, of rancid butter, of oil slick, of grease, of chalk dust, of human scalps. A.M. was keying us. He was tickling us. There was the smell of... I heard myself shriek and the hinges of my jaws ached. I scuttled across the floor across the cold metal with its endless lines of rivets on my hands and knees. The smell gagging me, filling my head with a thunderous pain that sent me away in horror. I fled like a cockroach across the floor and out into the darkness. That something moving inexorably after me. The others were still back there, gathered around the firelight, laughing. Their hysterical choir of insane giggles rising up into the darkness like thick, many-colored wood smoke. I went away, quickly and hid. How many hours may it have been? How many days or even years they never told me? Ellen chided me for sulking, and Nimdok tried to persuade me. It had only been a nervous reflex on their part, the laughing.